This is the Italian Citizenship Podcast, hosted by Marco Permunian and Rafael Di Furia. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Italian Citizenship Podcast, presented by ItalianCitizenshipAssistance.com. Of course, we are back here again with Italian attorney Marco Permunian. How are you doing, man? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And of course, I'm Rafael Di Furi. And today, we want to talk a little bit about uh, Italian history, a little bit about Italian civics, and just to give a little bit more context and understanding we have gone over some of the terms for Italian citizenship in the past, but Marco and I were talking, we felt as though it would be important to also give a little bit more of an idea uh, as to what to expect and how things work and and understanding the process better uh, to go and to explain these just a little bit more to give a little bit more of an idea to people who may not be from Italy uh, because things do often work a little bit differently here and some of the things that you will find may work very similarly to where you what you would find in other countries, but they have just a little bit of a different name. But maybe let's get started out with uh, some of the more civic side and uh, to kind of talk about uh, geographic locations. And let's start out maybe with the smallest, a municipality, a comune. A comune in Italy is a town which has a town hall and is headed by a mayor. So geographically speaking, the smallest entity in Italy, which has a local government, is a municipality or town in Italian comune. It's very important because a in a comune, like I said, there is a local government uh, which normally works in a town hall, in a building, the city hall, uh, which is very important for the local community because there they held very important registries, such as the registry of births, registry of deaths, registry of deeds, and registry of the population that resides in a specific municipality. So in Italy, we have, I think we've gone over this in other episodes, we have a registry which is held by the single towns in Italy. Um, towns that are considered comuni because there is a smaller entity and maybe we can talk about that in a second um, that doesn't have a local government but um, these comuni they're very important because they have these registries where you have to be registered in order to be considered formally and legally a resident in Italy. So you can only be a resident of a single specific town. You can't be a resident of multiple towns. And you determine whether you legally reside, so from a legal standpoint, by looking at the registries held by the comune. A comune is where the local government is. But there are there can be other towns or villages surrounding the comune which don't have their own local government. And these villages that I'm talking about, they're called frazioni in Italian, uh, which means that they don't have their local government and they are actually formally part of the main comune that they surround. So a comune normally is a town, but it can include other towns or villages, which are normally smaller, um, which are considered as part of that specific 
municipality. They normally have their own names. There are they are either areas or actually little towns that are formally and legally speaking included in the territory of the comune and that, that are governed by the local government of the comune. So in that type of situation, I think, because like, we've said in the past about you don't want to apply for Italian citizenship or make your claim in a place that's too big or too small. In this case, if you live in one of these smaller little villages that's a part of a larger comune, would that mean that if you're going to go to, to actually uh, make your petition, that you would have to go from your village to the city where the, the municipal office, the, the city hall is? Exactly. That's exactly like that. Interesting. So that's something that even I hadn't quite considered when we were talking about that you need to go to someplace not too big, not too small. But I think that's, a, that's something that could get quite annoying. And to clarify, for those people who are interested in applying for citizenship by descent, um, the place where you apply for citizenship by descent in Italy, so if you don't want to apply through an Italian consulate, is the comune, the municipality. And specifically, the office that you have to visit is the city hall. So within the city hall, there will be a specific office that deals with citizenship applications. It could be the residency office, so the same office that deals with residency. It could be the same clerk. It could be a different office, depending on how large the comune is. Of course, the larger the comune is, the more likely is that there will be separate offices that deal with residency and citizenship. But um, the bottom line is when you apply in Italy, you will have to apply through a single municipality. And in, in Italy, there are about 8,000 municipalities. So it's kind of different applying for citizenship in Italy or in the US, because in the US you apply through a local Italian consulate and there are approximately 10 consulates of Italy in the US that cover a much larger areas. Whereas in Italy, each comune is able to accept and process citizenship applications. So needless to say, it's easier and quicker to apply in Italy because a municipality will process a much smaller number of citizenship applications than a consulate in the US. And the person who will actually grant citizenship in a comune is the mayor. So the mayor of the town is the person or the public official who will actually sign the document that says that you become an Italian citizen. In the US, that's normally the consul, so the head of the consulate, even if uh, the consul may delegate that, that power to uh, another clerk within the consulate. But normally in a comune, it's the mayor of the town. Even if the application is actually processed by the clerk that deals with citizenship applications, but it's ultimately signed by the mayor of the town. So just, I guess, maybe one question to ask here, just because maybe somebody might think of this. If you are recognized by a mayor or a consul or a clerk, is there any difference between your citizenship and somebody else's citizenship? Is there any difference at the end of the day? No, actually none whatsoever. So it's the same type of recognition. It's just done, done by a different official. Okay, that's good to know. I just wanted to make sure that we just 
had that one little point clarified because you never know. But I think maybe it might be worthwhile jumping onto the, the, the next step, the next larger area from the municipal uh, area that you live within. And what would that be? That would be the province. So the province is a larger area which includes several communes, several municipalities. Um, within a region in Italy, there are normally there are always several provinces, uh, and each province has a city which is the capital of that province. For instance, where we are now, uh, the town or city of Rovigo is also the capital city of the larger area which is called the province of Rovigo which includes several towns and of course the city that is the center of the province has a specific function which is different from the function of a comune or municipality and what would some of those different functions look like so in the province um, for instance Speaking about citizenship, normally you find the Questura, which is a police office, an administrative police police office, which is involved in the citizenship application process, uh, which is located exclusively in the city, which is the center of the province. So, for example, in the city of Rovigo, we have the Questura of Rovigo, which is a police office, and there you have to go to apply for your residency permit, the one that they give you while you're waiting your citizenship for your citizenship application to be processed. And you have to go there even if you applied in a municipality which is not Rovigo, but which is in the province mm-hmm. of Rovigo. And depending on the case, you may have to travel um some distance, like half an hour, hour, something like that. Actually, on that subject, sorry to interrupt you here, but specifically about that, I know somebody who was in that very situation had to register um, with the Questura, and I think this person had to travel, like I want to say 45 minutes to an hour by train to get from the small village where they were living at the time to the main place. But there are times when you might find in maybe a more populated area that uh, you might have a satellite office of the Questura, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we were talking about that a moment ago uh, before this episode, and that there can be instances where the province area is such a big area that it makes sense to have uh, branches of the Questura in other areas of the province because there can be like provinces that are very large, so it could be like difficult for people to travel from their town to the city that is the province, uh, the center of the province, um, to do what they have to do. And I guess it makes sense, especially if the the population is large enough that if you send everybody to one uh, central office, those people are going to get overworked, tired, and it's just going to add to the the workload that they have. Whereas if you have those satellite offices, they can help those other people in those other locales a little bit more easily and a bit more convenient for them to get to as well. Um, But also you were saying that the municipality and then the the province, the provincia, would you say that it would be a fair kind of equivalent to say that it is similar to what we might have in the U.S. Uh, as a um, county? 
Yes, I think it's there. They share similarities. They will for sure have different um, like their differences. But yeah, I think we could say that yes. So it's not like how you would have a province in Canada, which is what we might in the U.S. call a state. Here in Italy, a province is more similar to a, a um, exactly okay. a county. And just to clarify about terminology, you know, because there could be some confusion around uh, terms to be used as well. Uh, the province, which is in Italian provincia, that's the area, and then we have a city, which is the center. Um, the administrative center of the province, uh, which is called Capoluogo di Provincia, which is the capital of that specific province. And normally the name of the province is the name of the city, which is the capital of that province. Like, for example, uh, where we are now, Rovigo, that's a town, but that's also the capital of the province, and the province is called Provincia di Rovigo. So it gets the name from the town, um, that is the center of that province. Yeah, it's, I, I, I found that interesting. Like even when you um, have to write uh, an address, like on a letter, or when you're getting something shipped from online, if you're ordering, you like we live here um, in Rovigo, so it's it, like how you would write, say, San Francisco, California. Here in Rovigo, we write Rovigo, Rovigo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you live in a town which is in the province of Rovigo, you have to write um, the name of the town and then... Uh, R-O. R-O, which stands for the province of Rovigo. So like even just a couple other examples, I think Milan is M-I, Bolzano is B-Z, Florence is F-I or F-L, I don't remember which one, but... It's F-I. F-I, okay. It's, so instead of how we would put C-A-W-A, uh, or or uh, or um, it's just that one little thing that's done similarly here, but with a different different description behind it. <laughs> but going on, I guess from the province, what is the next largest uh, kind of subdivision of Italy? The next largest division in Italy is called region. In Italy, we have twenty regions. And every region has a capital city. So in within every region, there is a city which is the administrative center of that specific region. For example, uh, in Veneto, the region where we are right now, the capital uh, from an administrative standpoint is the city of Venice. And in Venice is where you find the regional government, which is very important in Italy. In Italy regions, they have a very important functions, they have very important responsibilities, uh, even according to the European law laws. So the laws of the European Union in Italy, regions were given uh, very specific tasks so they can issue laws on topics that are regulated by the Italian law and the European laws. So in other words, in Italy, there is a central government, and we can get to that in a second, that of course um, creates laws. But even at the regional level, there is a regional government, which is somewhat similar to the central government of Italy, where laws are created, but only on specific subjects. So it's a very important division uh, in Italy, the regional division. 
And uh, what are maybe some of those responsibilities? Does that fit into also some of the definitions of, uh, not definitions, but maybe certifications of food saying that this comes from this place or? Exactly. And uh, it's the, they have very important responsibilities in terms of uh, laws regulating uh, the agriculture and agricultural products. Interesting. And so from this kind of perspective, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, province would be similar to a county. Would it be fair to say that in Italy, a region is similar to what we might call a state in the United States? Exactly. Um, I think there are more differences between U.S. states and Italian regions than there are between U.S. counties and Italian provinces. But yes, I think they, they definitely share some similarities. And what sort of differences are, are, are you talking about? I don't know, for example, like the driver's license that in, in the U.S. you get like from the state and you have to change it like here, it's uh-huh. the same driver's license. Or, for example, um, the fact that in the U.S. the state representatives are also part of the central government, like the senators. Very interesting. And just to kind of quickly jump into something that's connected, just because we want to talk about both civics and a little bit of history. Uh, before we started recording this video, you were mentioning to me about the regions in Italy, uh, the way that they're officially recognized today has only been actually quite recent in Italian history. Yeah, we didn't have regions until 1948, until when the Italian constitution came into effect in 1948 and we did talk extensively about the Italian constitution in other videos. Um, before, there were only provinces and comuni. There were no regions in Italy. But were these regions that we see today based on the, the various warring states that we saw before the unification? At least at some point, uh, because the borders of the pre-unification states they changed multiple times over time. For example, at some point, the Kingdom of Sicily went uh, up over to, uh, I mean, it, it was including, for example, other areas in southern Italy, uh, such as the, the, the current region of Campania. So definitely there were some changes that happened over the years, but at least at some point, the region and the island of Sicily as we know it today was also the kingdom of Sicily. Very interesting. And you were mentioning before about Italian unification and then also about the Italian constitution. At what point in Italian history did these things take place? The unification took place in 1861. So prior to 1861, there was no Italy known as a country. There were just a um, number of states which then were merged into the nation of Italy which happened in 1861 at that time Italy became a kingdom the kingdom of Italy so there was a king um, and um, it was only in 1946 then the Italian population was called to decide whether they wanted a king or a person who acted as the head of state. So in, in 1946, there was a big referendum where people were given the ability to choose between 
kingdom and republic and that's when Italy became a republic so Italy was born in 1861 as a nation but as a kingdom and then in 1946 the population the Italian population decided that it was going to be a republic headed by a um, head of state which we currently still have we have the president of the republic uh, who has limited powers and Basically, what he does is he makes sure that um, uh, there is a balance between the parliament, the government, um, and then we have the head of the government, which is the person who, together with the other members of the government, actually uh, makes the day-to-day decisions to uh, like regarding the country. The prime minister. Exactly. And so it's interesting to hear about how there's that division of power, whereas in the United States, the presidents kind of got not all the power, but they have a large amount of that power, but then it gets divided in different ways, the House and the Senate and so on. And even here in Italy, I mean, there is the Senate, for example, um, and does it function in a very similar way where they're talking about laws and what's coming in, what's going out? How does that work in Italy? There are some similar similarities between Italy and the U.S., but in Italy, uh, the legislative powers, so the power to legislate and issue um, laws, is held by the central um, is held by the parliament. So the parliament of Italy, which is a large group of uh, people who are members of the parliament, they are the ones who make laws on a regular basis. There are some exceptions. The government can make laws uh, in cases of urgencies, but uh, the entity, which in Italy is the one that creates laws, is the parliament. So when we're talking about also citizenship, is this also again kind of regulated by the parliament through what, a, what it is that they do? So we touched on this subject a few times, I believe, in the past, but it's, it's worth clarifying that um, there are two main citizenship laws in Italy that regulate that regulate uh, the subject of Italian citizenship. So the subject of Italian citizenship was regulated for the first time um, after the unification with the 1912 law. So in 1912, the Italian parliament uh, issued a law which regulated how a person becomes an Italian citizen, how a person loses Italian citizenship, how a person can reacquire Italian citizenship. And um, there was an article in this law that basically is the foundation of the um, citizenship law as we know it today, of, of the Eurosanguinist principle, principle, basically, that law said the child of an Italian citizen is an Italian citizen, by descent just because he or she was born to an Italian citizen. So as we said numerous times in Italy, citizenship is passed from a parent to the child. Um, It doesn't matter if you were born in Italy, you are an Italian citizen because you were born to an Italian parent. Back then, to an Italian father. So the, the 1912 law only made reference to the male. So you were born as an Italian citizen only if you were born to an Italian father, which means that if you were born to an Italian mother, for example, the father was unknown or a foreign citizen, you were not 
considered to be an Italian citizen. The situation only changed in 1948, not because the law changed. That law was only changed in 1992. But in 1948, the Italian constitution came into effect. So right after Italy became a republic, the Italian constitution came into effect in uh, on January 1st of 1948. And basically the Italian constitution, which is the supreme law in Italy, said that men and women have equal rights. So the law was interpreted uh, in a different way, meaning that you become an Italian citizen also through a female. So it doesn't matter whose parent is the Italian citizen, as long as one of the two parents, male or female, is an Italian citizen that the child also has Italian citizenship. Uh, the citizenship law, the 1912 citizenship law, was, uh, which by the way, um, the 1912 citizenship law said uh, something that um, was very important negatively and was only in cha changed in 1992 with the subsequent law. Basically, the 1912 law said the the voluntary acquisition of a foreign citizenship caused the loss of Italian citizenship. So whoever was an Italian citizen and went to another country and voluntarily became a citizen of another country lost their Italian citizenship instantly just because they um, made a petition in another country to become citizens of those country, of that country. Um, whereas in 1992, with the subsequent law, this limitation was removed. So it was only in 1992 that a person no longer lost their Italian citizenship when acquiring the citizenship of a foreign country. Um, so right now, if you do become a citizen of a foreign country, you no longer lose your Italian citizenship. That's fantastic to be able to have that possibility. And especially in such a world where um, people are looking at other options, they're looking at other places in the world that they would like to have access to, um, to be able to have access to Italy as an Italian citizen is really a blessing and not to have to think about, do I need a visa? Do I need to this? Do I need to that? Do I have to register with this? Do I have to okay, in Italy, you do have to register for your, your um, residence, but um, you don't have to have that over your head. Like, is my life in this country only going to be possible for X amount of time, six months, one year, two years, five years. As a citizen, you arrive and that's it. <laughs> Nothing more than that. Okay, fine. Again, registering your uh, where you live, your domicile. That's a great point. Um, but on the topic of Italian citizenship, just to finish, uh, I think we haven't talked about the capital mm. of Italy, of the country, which is Rome, where the central government is. Uh, but the capital is important, uh, speaking about citizenship, because in Rome, there is the office of the Ministry of Interior, which is the office that processes applications for citizenship through marriage and for citizenship uh, by residency. So unlike citizenship by descent, which you can apply for through any Italian municipality. If you're applying for citizenship through marriage or citizenship through residency, your application will be processed by an office within the office of the Ministry of Interior in Rome. Interesting. So 
this is again kind of what we were talking about if you are applying from outside of italy or not applying but if you're if you're doing a 1948 case and you're residing outside of italy it's kind of de facto that your case will be handled in rome but it's also not just handled there but the final process is handled there as well like you were just saying fantastic uh and fascinating to to hear about um but i think this may be a great point for us to wrap up this episode because there's definitely a lot more about italian history that we could jump into but i think it would be great if we save that for another day so Thank you all so much for joining us again. Of course, if you're interested in more content like this about uh, Italian citizenship as well as Italian real estate, be sure that you're subscribed to this YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to this as an audio only podcast, be sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And for updates, be sure to check out the Italian Citizenship Assistance Facebook page. And then also, if you are interested in other content about moving to Italy, life in Italy, living in Italy as a dual citizen expat be sure to come over to my youtube channel youtube.com where i talk a lot more about these subjects and show you a little bit more around this beautiful country but of course we have been here with italian attorney marco permunian for this episode of italian citizenship podcast and i am rafael di furia thank you so much to the italian citizenship assistance.com team for making this episode possible we look forward to seeing you all next time stay safe stay healthy later thank you